All topics covered here are for conversational purposes only and do not constitute financial advice. Please contact Mulcahy Co. to receive advice on all matters from one of our professionals. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the FS360 podcast. Uh, we're up to episode number 31. Uh, your host here is Gavin Nash, and I'm here with uh, Danny Archer from our financial planning team. Good day, Danny. G'day, Gav. How are you going? Not too bad, not too bad. Thanks for joining us today, mate. You have joined us from sunny Geelong, who have just gone into lockdown, but uh, we're in Ballarat and we've been in lockdown for nearly a week. So um, it's not getting any easier, all these lockdowns, are they? It's not. It's interesting. When when our restrictions in region of Victoria were released, oh, what, two weeks ago, all the, a lot of the, the mums in the office with kids were over the moon and they sort of said, Danny, you're not overly happy. I'm like, oh, well, I can see why you're happy you've got kids so you can actually take them out and do things, but... For me, I just know that there's going to be two or three more before Christmas anyway. So I'm a bit sort of apprehensive about getting too excited because they're yeah. going to be taken away, which is a shame. But it's the world we live in at the moment, Gav. It's good to be it's good to be positive, but at the same time, you've got to be realistic that this realistic. Is just going to, it's going to live for a bit longer. Hopefully, by about Christmas time, we can sort of put a line through it and say we're back to normal. But for okay. now, for the uh, podcast, as you know, guys, if you've been listening the last couple of um episodes we've been doing them via zoom so we're recording this zoom call with danny um just going to be a, a a shorter one this time but um on a really important topic um called uh buy sell agreements so danny do you want to give us a bit of an intro on what a buy sell agreement is yeah so basically gavin i've got some notes i refer to a, a buy sell agreement is a contract that allows ownership of a business to transfer to the remaining owners um, in the event one director or owner was to pass away or to become seriously injured in the most, you know, easy, easy way possible. We want to, you want to cause as less disruption as you, as you possibly can. And a sound buy-sell agreement is typically covered with appropriate insurances. And this, this provides the beneficiaries of the director who's passed away or become seriously ill, which nine times out of 10 is their, is their family, um, with an amount of money equal to that director's equity or share of ownership in the business. Uh, it also allows the remaining directors to continue running the business, as I said before, with as little disruption as possible, while the, the beneficiaries of the director, as I said, it's either passed or become pretty crook um, it allows their beneficiaries to be adequately compensated from a from a monetary point of view. So it effectively is the easiest way for the directors and the the beneficiaries of the of the person in question to move on. I guess is the best way, um, as easy as possible, which is clearly the best case scenario for for everybody involved. Um, good summary, Danny. So we're sort of talking about really cover that's going to eventually. Um, let's say you're you're the you're the business owner. It's going to eventually uh, uh, benefit your family or your um, who you're leaving behind, yep. beneficiaries. But we're more talking about an insurance policy for the business, aren't we? Rather than an you know uh, an income protection insurance policy, it's kind of different from that. It's really an agreement for the business owners to undertake. Yeah. So a buy sell agreement it, it really has two phases. So the first one is what is the the how is it this how is the succession plan actually going to happen and for how much money. All right, and then the, the reason where, and that's drawn up by the legal guys, the reason where we come into play and where the insurance is coming to play is, as you just said before, it's effectively a life and a total and permanent disablement policy taken out on, on a director. So let's say me, me for example, and if I were to pass away or die, the, benefit, the beneficiaries I've listed, so let's say my wife, 
she would receive that amount of money, which, as I said before, is equal to what my share of the business is. The reason why it's easy to do that is my wife's happy in a way that she's received my, you know, the investment that we've made in the business. So monetarily, there's been, you know, a benefit there, silver lining in a bad situation. Um, but it means that the remaining directors haven't had to cough up the money because a lot of the times they can't afford to pay a million dollars to buy someone out. Um, but the, 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 that person's family, they're entitled to some form of money. So it's just that the, the insurance is effectively a funding mechanism to mean that it's, you know, whilst you've got to pay your premiums in the interim, you know, a $5,000 per year premium is a lot cheaper than a million dollar, million dollar payout if you don't have the money. Um, so it seems like it's sort of like, a, you know, maybe that every, every business that's got a, a couple of directors involved, Danny, should have this kind of policy, but it's not the case, is it, in, in Australia especially? No, it's not, unfortunately. It's quite common for, um, for people to, to go into business and not need one. And I'll use a bit of a case study, Gab. Let's say you and I went into business and we know each other each other quite well. We go into business and we go, oh, in the event that something were to happen to either of us, you know, she'll be rival amongst. We've got a bit of a verbal agreement as to what will happen. Um, but unfortunately, you know, death and money, and we say this all the time in the financial planning meeting, death and money do funny things to people, whether it's just your parents passing away and there being a dispute amongst the siblings. You know, there's always, well, you, you gave uh, the brother 10 grand 10 years ago. That should be common as all that sort of stuff. The same is true when directors of a business, when something happens there. There's always an opinion that differs from the other opinion because let's be honest, we're 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 a bit of a um we're a bit of a, a selfish race in that we always look after ourselves, particularly when it comes to cash and money. So we always want what's the, the maximum amount. However, if you have to pay, we want to pay the least amount. So it's just a bit of a, a behavioural financing. And I think you're right. Like you can't really underestimate um, exactly how difficult a death or a permanent disability is. Permanent disability, guys, we're talking about, let's say someone had a stroke or a heart attack and they were no yeah. longer able to continue working in the business. They were not capable of that because of their ongoing and maybe permanent health. So what you can imagine the family going through that, even your best mate who's the business partner, let's say we're in business, Danny, and, you know, and I took ill. The last thing you want to do is to sort of start talking about the ins and outs of a, of a deal when you just want to make sure I'm okay and that my family's looked after. So the buy-sell agreement, I suppose, lays all that out and there's a policy there to help with the funding of it. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, I suppose it's, the, it's really one of those things that's a hard enough thing to go through with death and, and disability, permanent disability or disablement. And this just takes away more the financial um, pressure of it, doesn't it? So it's kind of fits in well with the sort of financial security um, topic of this podcast and, and our business, yep. Mulcahy Co. in general, um, that we're really sort of taken away, as you s have said in previous podcasts, Danny, that's what financial planning is, isn't it? Trying to take away the, um, you know, the real troublesome part of the decision-making for finances. Correct. So take away financial stress, give financial peace of mind. Perfect. I always use, use that as what I believe a financial planner does, mainly because it can mean anything to anyone. It can be interpreted you know, as many different ways as anyone likes, which is obviously great. Um, but you're right, Gab. It just means that it gives peace of mind to firstly the directors of the business, so let's say you and me, and our, our beneficiaries, let's say our, our wives and children, that if anything would happen to either of us, 
then there is a plan in place that is, you know, watertight, being approved by the league, or has been approved by us. That means that this is the action plan that were to occur. So it will effectively look after itself, which allows, you know, let's worst case scenario, allows for funerals to be organised, or if we're TPD'd or permanently disabled, it allows for treatment, allows for renovations on houses, allows for all those sort of things to occur. So the people that are left understand that the business is going to going to tick along. And I, I did have a bit of a case study as an example, Gav, that I think we could take you through. So we've mentioned that. Let's, let's use you and I as an example. So let's say we went into business together. Doesn't matter what the business is, but let's say for this, this situation, um, topical being a pub, we're, in, we're, we're going to open a hospitality business Happy together. Days. I, don't, I don't mind pubs when they're open. I don't mind pubs when they're open too. Not, not a good time to be owning a pub. Good time to probably buy one while the books don't look that great, but that's a story for another day. Another day. So let's say that you and I buy a pub, um, everything's gravy, and we've got a verbal agreement in place that this is what would happen. Now, I die. Unfortunately, I pass away. And as a result of our verbal agreement, so nothing in writing, nothing approved, you decide to pay my partner an agreed amount per year, which let's say it's $50,000 as a bit of a compensation. It's okay, we've lost Danny, we'll pay you $50,000 basically until you die um, as the compo because I can't afford to pay you a million dollars, which would be Danny's share. All right, which that all sounds well and good, but unfortunately my partner dies four years down the track so she's only received two hundred thousand dollars fifty thousand dollars a year times four all right and our two kids that we've got have absolutely no interest in being publicans managing the public managing the pub owning the pub anything like that they're completely removed one lives on the other side of the world and one just doesn't drink isn't into hospitality sort of stuff so as a result you get, so as a result, at the moment, they both own 25% of the pub each and you own 50%, which is your initial, your initial share. Let's say you agree to pay them the price. No, no let's say you offer to pay them, um, to buy them out at the price that you and I agreed to five years ago, all right, which our two kids go, oh, okay, that's a fair bit of money, but we'll just lawyer up and go get our own advice just to make sure that it's all above board. They get it independently valued. And it turns out that the offer five years ago is actually worth about $500,000 less than the market would dictate the price to be at the moment. All right, so in reality, they go, hang on, you, you, you're trying to pull the wool over our eyes here, Gav. We should be getting 500 grand more or 250 grand each. And you go, okay, no dramas, that's true. However, because you know the, the pub is, is going okay, but not quite as good as we, we probably would have liked, you can't afford the extra 500K. The, the bank won't give you the money based on the business's books. What do you do there? It's sort of, okay, well, hope that they accept our offer, but they don't. The kids actually lawyer up and they, the lawyer goes through the books and he actually goes, oh, the partner you pay to Danny's wife and the kid's mum for you know that money, that 200 grand, you've run that through, you've run that through the books through the whole time and she was never an employee. Therefore, you've broken, you know, about a dozen or more rules with the ATO, not to mention a few other rules that you've potentially broken. So unless you adhere to my client's requests and pay them their 500K more that they want, we're going to hit you pretty hard and the cost is going to be a fair bit more than 500 grand. All right. Now, that's a bit of a threat, but unfortunately, you have really no leg to stand on. You know, they've got all the power here. 
slowly then as a result you in your you know in your last last resort bit of action you go okay i'll pay you some more money um, I'm not going to pay you the full 500k. Let's meet in the middle. And I'll give you 250 grand more than I agreed with Danny five years ago. So not the full 500, what it's worth now. I can only afford 250. And they go, okay, we'll take 250 because it's better than better than what we received before. But remember, our business is not going that well. I said it's a pub. We're in COVID at the moment. You know, JobKeeper only goes so far. Obviously, and I feel for all the publicans and hospitality guys out there, but it is topical just for this hypothetical. You know, the finances just don't allow the business to receive any lending from any bank. Therefore, Gab, in order to pay your extra 250K, you have to mortgage your own home, which is the last thing that you want to do. It's the last thing that your own legals advise you to do because that now means that there's a mortgage against that house, which obviously increases your overall risk. So because you've mortgaged the home and you've paid our kids what they want, they're happy. They've received their 25% each cold hard cash with that money they can do whatever they like as a result Gab you are now the sole director and sole owner of the pub which is the position you would have been in at the start if the buy sell agreement was put into place adequately however you wouldn't have had to mortgage your home and go through all the legal costs and whatnot so we're in that position but it's taken a bit of a way to get there so in, in a way all good however as I said we were in the hospitality business hasn't gone very well the, the business keeps going poorly unfortunately and it fails. At the end of the day, you can't meet your, your repayments, you can't meet your creditors, you can't meet anything. Therefore, you declare bankruptcy. And as a result, the home that you've used to remortgage that 250K, it actually becomes you know, up for grabs from creditors and you're at a very, very big risk of losing your home as a result of having a poor buy-sell agreement. Now, let's think about the position that you're left in. The business isn't going very well, just the nature of the business being a pub, so there's stress there. You've had to go through the legal um, procedures of the buy-sell agreement with my kids who have, as I said, well within their rights, lawyered up and did what they did to get their fair share. And then you're about at your tether. You've gone through all that stress, anxiety, as I said before, not peace of mind, stress. And now your home is potentially up for grabs. How do you think that lends itself to, you know, your relationship with your own family and, what, and all those sort of things? It's, it makes an uneasy situation even more uneasy and unfortunately, completely avoidable as well, if you, you know, put the time and the effort in place all those years ago when you and I went into business together. So that's a pretty, I guess, stark and, you know, pretty full on end of the spectrum risk and potential case study of what can happen. But we do see it all the time. Another one is, you know, tradies, are, you know, they could be plumbers and they go in together without a buy-sell. What happens then? You know, very, 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 very common sort of situation where, just gets very mucky. As I said, death and money do funny things to people. As a result of my kids getting a little bit greedy, um, losing their parents, they've effectively, in a way, financially crippled you, which was my business partner, which is the last thing I would have wanted to have happened either. Mm. So again, as I say, for not a lot of time and not a lot of money spent early days relative to what could be costly down the track, a buy-sell agreement, you know, is a very, very prudent thing to do. And the reason why I brought it up is I've actually drawn a few of them for clients in the very, very recently um, where they've actually come to us and said, we know all these potential risks. Um, we know there's a way to avoid them now. We don't quite know enough about it. Can you please help us? Um, and I, yeah, I just thought it was a very topical situation to bring up. And that, that's a bit of a case study as to the potential risks of not having one in play. 
I think it's a good good way to explain to the listeners, Danny, about what a topic is, is to give a case study. And I think that's a really good one because most people can probably relate to a hospitality venue of some kind. Yeah. Um, the other thing you didn't throw in there that added stress is, you know, I've lost my best mate. I've lost Danny. You know, I've lost, I've lost my best mate who I went into pub business with because we, you know, we got along so well. We grew up together, whatever. Maybe our wives were best friends as well. We we're all a big group. We were on holidays together with our kids and your kids. And so if you think about that in your own situation, the absolute last thing you'd want to do is add more stress to that situation, which is the death of a best friend and a business partner. So um, uh, a really nice piece of advice actually I got from um, Chris Mulcahy a long time ago, mate, when I started in business was, yep. he's been my accountant for a long time, um, was that you think about income protection insurance, buy-sell agreements. If you can't afford those premiums, you've got to have a cold, hard think about whether you should be in business because you can't, they're a cost of doing business. So that's Correct. another way to look at it rather than say, oh, this income protection or this buy-sell agreement, um, uh, you know, it's three and a half thousand a year or it's 6,000 a year. Um, if you can't afford that, you've got to really think long and hard about whether you should be in business. So they're, they're just, they're almost like, you know, you wouldn't open a pub without insuring, insuring the, the um, whether the building, you know, the building or anything yeah. like that. So, yeah. why so would you, you wouldn't drive your car if it's not insured. So it's another yeah. one of those things that is just a cost of doing business. You have to work it into your costs. Otherwise, as you just said in that case study, it can turn to um, pear shaped pretty quick, can't it? Correct. And absolutely. So a good accountant will just, if, if someone comes to you to an account and says, look, I've got this business idea, or they've, they've, they've had a business for a while and they've come to the point where it's time to incorporate, become a genuine company, or they're just doing a budget, genuine business budget, budget 101. As you say, Gav, part of your expenses allow for insurances as an overall cost. It's, it's sometimes it can be easy just to go, okay, this, this is my total cost of running the business rather than itemize them all out. Clearly you need to itemize them all out if your profit margin isn't, isn't great, but insurances would be one of the last things that I'd be taking off the list of expenses. Um, if I ever had to go through, if, if business wasn't working too well, because as you said, you know, the big question is, um, could the business afford to continue on if X, Y, Z event were to occur without insurances in place? And that's a simple yes or no answer. You know, there's no subject. If it's, a, if it's a no, it's obvious you need insurance. If it's a yes, it's great, well done. You're one of the best business owners in the country, but that, that's a rare sort of situation to be in. Um, and again, even if, you, even if it is a yes, sometimes the answer to implement insurances anyway can just make that worst case scenario be a lot better than it would need to be anyway because the insurance is going to do its job at that particular point in time as well. Good advice no, a, by Chris, though. I like yeah, that. Yeah, like no, that was, yeah, that's just something that I've always remembered. Um, just, and I think, mate, it's, it's a good topic to think about. So if, if we've got a, a listener out there thinking, oh, well, look, I'm already in business, so maybe I don't need one, or I'm about to start a business with a friend, should I get one? What's, I mean, you guys can assist with buy sales for existing businesses, for brand new businesses starting up, can't you? Yeah, anyone, basically. So, you know, the most recent one is, you know, we've got a group of directors, three of them, um, they're in a white collar profession and they've actually come to us and said the business has, has grown to a point where we need to, you know, cons really seriously consider making sure that there's an exit strategy involved here. And, and part of that is a buy-sell agreement. So, you know, equity across across the across the, the three was, you know, around that million dollar mark each. Um, and they sort of said, you know, if anything happened to either of us, how would our families afford to, to pay the other two out? Yeah, they might be able to afford it, but at what cost are they selling the house? 
Are they selling an investment property? Are they selling things at the wrong time? A share portfolio again, what if it's COVID 2.0 and all of our shares and properties down 25%? Not a good time to sell, but what if that's the time someone dies and you're going to pay their family out? As I said to you before, the business, you may be able to afford these things. You may be able to, but if it's a yes to the answer to that question, but at what cost? The insurance for that five or six grand a year just makes everything a lot more simple and easy to manage. And there's a lot more peace of mind that it's there for a reason. It's pure reason is to pay the other directors their their equity or the payout. Um, you know what what my what my um what my equity position would be. So therefore, my family's basically kept happy, and they're not going to come. Then are going to come knocking like the, the case study I use with with our our kids, and it even extends beyond that. What if you know my partner didn't just want fifty grand a year? What if my partner turned around and said, "I want to be second director, and I want a fifty percent share in ownership and management," but she has absolutely no idea how to run a pub and all that no does background, just, yeah. does this. It just does this. Where you go, hang on, I've been doing this for thirty years. You've been doing it secondhand but you really kind of have no idea. And I don't want to go into business business with you. Like you're allowed to decide not to go into business with someone, mm. but because the shares could effectively fall to her, my shares could fall to her as part of our agreement. Um, she is through the eyes of the law, your business partner. Do you want her to be, does she want to be, you know, however that might work. So again, that's just another, another risk, but there are a lot of, there are a lot of benefits to it. And I think as you mentioned earlier in the piece too, Danny, about, individual situations and i think that's the thing that a lot of people don't realize um, that you know these things aren't just templates that get printed off and you sign them they're individualized to your yeah. situation so if there's a an agreement with a you know national franchise or something like that involved or whatever so you can sort of work things into the an individual individually tailor them to um, each client's needs can't you absolutely you can as you every every business is different and again, what if there are 10 directed directors and they all have a different percentage stake in the business? So they all have a different equity amount. Therefore, there should be an agreement where the person with the most amount and the second and the least amount, you know, there, there should be a buy-sell agreement that means that that amount of equity is paid in the form of insurances. And as I, as I sort of said, there, there are three key benefits to a, a sound buy-sell agreement, which again, legally binding all those sort of things. The first one is, is valuation. So the dollar figure needs to always be clear and it needs to always be reviewed. In our case study, we agreed to something five years ago and then inflation and things like future cash flows, goodwill, the price of the bit. So let's say, as I said, we're a pub and we own the, the, the building we're in, the commercial property has gone up in value. All these things have potentially resulted in the business going up in value, which therefore means everyone's individual shares gone up. So the valuation, a lot of the time to it, you shouldn't just choose a flat figure. You should choose a methodology or some type of formula. So in financial planning, a very common way of, you know, um, deriving a business's revenue is a multiple on the amount that's coming in per year. So whether it's one times two, three, four, it, that, that means that the, the amount of revenue is effectively obsolete. It's more, what is that times a formula versus, you know, we'll just sort of guess a million bucks because a million bucks is a hearsay subjective figure. So that's the first thing is to make sure that your valuation, the, the way that you derive your valuation, there's a bit of science behind it and it makes a bit of sense um, and it's fair, first and foremost. The second one is succession. So who receives ownership when a director passes or becomes ill? What I mean by that is, do they receive the actual ownership or is it sort of, is there, is there the, the beneficiaries, are they receiving 
um, their entitlement, for want of a better term, through a, a salary or a director's note, a bit like my partner in the previous one, typically becomes a lot more murky and, you know, confusing than you might than you might want it to be because it needs to be fair to all parties because again using a case study let's say you agree okay in the in the buy-sell agreement we'll pay the surviving spouse or family 50 grand a year until that spouse passes away again could be great if the if the spouse lives for 40 years but what, what if they live for three years you know, the and also family 50,000 now is a lot different than what 50,000 is correct, in 20 years' correct. time. So. so you likely haven't even included CPI. So 50 grand in 30 years' time buys you about 20 grand worth of things sort of thing. But also, as I said, what if, what if they only live a couple of years versus 50 years? So if they only live a couple of years, then that director's family have been negatively affected. But if they live a long time, you could end up having to pay a lot more than you would have had to have paid if the buy-sell agreement was sound anyway. The other way, because yep. Correct, the other way. So it, that way it doesn't suit either party. Somewhere in the middle, yeah, but still, it's just a lot cleaner for the situation, for the transaction to be done and dusted. And then the, the third one is insurance. So as I said, it enables either the family of the deceased or injured to receive money, or another way you can do it is basically for the remaining director just to, to purely receive the money and then buy the other family out. All right, now, that second option is a bit less common because, again, it can um, it causes confusion or the potential for confusion. If if my life insurance policy went straight to you, Gav, and you were entitled or you were instructed to pay my family a million bucks, but the policy was one point three, you know, you could just pocket the three hundred k, or you could keep it. You could lawyer up, and you know, just as I said to you before, it just increases the chances of you know things going wrong, death and money do funny things to people. And if you receive something that you might not be entitled to, you're going to do probably what you can to keep it rather than gift it away. So that's why most buy-sell agreements, in my opinion, should be done. You know, the beneficiary should be their family themselves versus, you know, sometimes it's, I would own a life insurance policy on your life and you would own one on my life. But again, it just adds that extra step. So why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you avoid it? So evaluation, making sure it's clear, methodology or some science. What's the succession actually look like? Who receives what and when is the third thing, second thing, sorry. And the third thing is how do we pay for those two? And insurance is typically the cheapest way because I've explained what the situation looks like when you don't have it. And as we said before, an easy question I, I ask with insurance is can you afford not to have it? So yes, the premiums are going to be there. Yes, you've got to pay for them. But this is what the world looks like if you don't have insurance and an insurable event were to occur. In this situation, it could cost you a million bucks. Can you afford that? That's a simple yes or no question. Yeah, they're great. Uh, the three sort of um, features or the components of a buy-sell are really interesting. Those three, we've um, just been popping the, uh, the words up on screen there, Danny, just so that people can understand um, yep. what they are. So for anyone that's listening to the podcast, we've also got this as a YouTube clip on our website. So um, you can jump on and have a bit of a look. But um, no, that's great, Danny. I think we've got a really good understanding of what a buy-sell agreement is, especially for business owners, um, which is what they're tailored for, um, that they've got three main components, um, yeah, valuation, succession, and insurance. So um, was there anything you wanted to finish with for the listeners today, Danny, on the buy-sells? I probably touched on everything. So I guess a bit of a summary is, you know, what, let's just summarise why a buy-sell agreement is important. And it can help purely just minimise the risk of 
the remaining owners having to sell the business to pay a departing owner or their estate. So whether, again, they could have to sell the business at a poor time. It also minimises the risk of uh, control of the business or its assets being frozen due to legal, legal difficulties created by the departing owner, their spouse, their estate, their family. It reduces the risk of a departing owner or their spouse or estate taking, you know, un, you know, pretty, pretty severe legal action, which can be pretty crippling from a financial point of view. It also means that the departing owner's spouse or family, um, they can't, you know, take their, their legal right to claim a share of the business profits without having to work for the business. So, you know, things fall into their name effectively without them even, even knowing or just the way the legals work. And then they have control, therefore they receive profits um, when they don't, when they don't want, basically want or are entitled to it. And the last one is it minimises the risk of the departing owner's spouse or estate selling their share of the business to an unsatisfactory third party, which is something I haven't touched on. So again, what if, you know, you and I in business, Gav, my spouse and family receive my shares and go and sell it to your worst enemy because they're going to offer top dollar for it. Yeah, or the Again, business right in your competitor right across the road. Business competitor because <laughs> they were they're willing going to, to go, pay more for it. Yes, because at that point they don't necessarily care. As I said, my kids don't have any ambition to be a publican. They don't like the business and they they want nothing to do with it. Old mate across the road is going to offer them twice what it's worth purely because a they can or to to, to spite the remaining director. Again, in small towns, these things happen where everyone knows everyone. Suburbs, yeah, it doesn't have to be a small town. It can be a suburb within a city, for sure. Correct, yeah. absolutely so. Everyone knows someone, Danny, don't they? Um, of course they do. You know, the world is quite small, particularly in, in, the, in the information age that we're in. So, again, there's a plethora of reasons why a buy-sell agreement is good. There's a plethora of risks that it potentially mitigates or reduces to nil altogether. Um, and effectively, the only benefit downside is it takes a bit of time and money at the start to get it to get it done, and then you also have to review it every few years as well, which I, I can't be I can't be more strong on because, as I said, um, you know the business could go up or down in value. Therefore, the insurance amount you might need goes up and down. Another director could form part. We might want to um, promote our manager, Gav, and go. Do you want twenty percent stake in the business? We'll give ten percent each. Promote. They now become twenty yeah. percent director in the business. Therefore, the same buy sell agreement should be applicable to them because. You know, they likely haven't been in business for as long. They're only a 20%. So they're probably not of the same financial means. If something would happen to me, Gav, you're probably more likely to be able to afford to pay me out. But the manager who's recently been promoted probably can't. They have a bit of a different, they're in a different personal and financial circumstance. Yep. So the buy-sell agreement for them is more beneficial than it is for you because you could potentially pay for it somewhere. And you might not want to, but you could, whereas they, they matter of fact, they might not be able to at all. So it, it protects all parties. And this is where we said about customising your buy-sell to be, all those little components are going to be different for each person. We haven't even touched on, you know, what happens to the staff? Like what happens, you know, you might yeah. have had the business running for 25 years. You've had someone with you 25 years as this paid staff member who you care about and they end up losing their job because the place goes bankrupt. So there's so many different working parts to it. But I suppose that's why any listeners out there can jump on um, to... Um, you and your team, Danny, in financial Absolutely. planning, just to yep. have a bit of a chat about how does this, and, and, we, and you can take it slow. You can sort of get something in place and then review it in 12 months, review it in 24 months. Business might take a different um, uh, path that you didn't, yep. didn't think about. Um, so the idea is it's a live thing that you can sort of revisit maybe every 12 or 24 months. But importantly, Danny, it sounds like it fits right in the lane of what FS360 is, which is the financial security and making 100%. sure that our clients can 
um, benefit and uh, we, well, we help them maintain and achieve financial security. That's what we're all about. So it sort of fits right in the, in the middle of that lane, doesn't it? Um, and Absolutely. It does. no, it's been great, Danny, to have you on the podcast. Um, and I'll thank you for your time. And if anyone, any of our listeners have got any questions on buy-sell agreements to Danny's our man in Ballarat and Geelong. Um, we've also got financial planners in Mildura and Sunshine Coast. So um, yeah, any of any of those four offices, um, get in touch with Mulcanco Financial Planning and the guys can assist. Great, Danny. Thanks for your time today. No worries, Gav. Always happy to jump on the pod with you. We love doing these things. Um, yeah, it's all about all about, I guess, letting letting everybody out there know what what we can do here in the financial planning sphere. Not just financial planning, you know, FS three sixty. So there is always someone that we can help and add a little bit of value to. So I always enjoy always enjoy promoting that fact. And yeah, always happy to be on the pod with you, Gav. Thanks, Danny. And I think um, uh, revisiting some numbers, we're up to sort of nearly 3,000 uh, listens on the pod. So this is episode 31. So we're, we're sort of averaging, you know, we're getting up around that sort of um, 100 listens per episode. So the information we give on these, Danny is very interactive. It's conversational. Um, hopefully people find it easy. They're taking their dog for a walk or they're having a ride on the bike. They can listen to some financial security information from, from uh, the good people at Mulcanco like us. <laughs> and we must be very clear in that this is general advice only and no one's personal circumstances or goals or objectives have been taken into consideration. Just a bit of a compliance thing there because from a financial planning point of view, very hypothetical topic and you shouldn't enact anything based on what we've discussed. Please always reach out. Certainly um, get your, everyone's your different. professional financial advice because as we've said Correct. a few different times in this podcast, Every situation is different um, and every family situation, business situation is different. So get in touch with the guys, get some proper financial advice and um, I thank you for your time, Danny. Thanks so much. No worries, Gav. Thank you. Enjoy your week. See you, listeners. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the FS360 podcast brought to you by Mulcain Co. Financial Security 360 is at the centre of what we do at Mulcain Co. If you'd like to speak to one of our professionals about a range of individual and business needs, give us a call.